Hello and welcome to today's episode. Today we had Lance Enerson. He is a breath coach and it was just a super good discussion. He's such a good guy, very knowledgeable, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Bringing health, wellness, and fitness ideas right to your speakers with your host, Tyler Martin, learning from experts and average Joes alike. This is the Cracking Fitness Podcast. All right, man. Well, hey, I really appreciate you coming up. Um, you're going to be here for a couple weeks, so just appreciate you taking some time to be with us and tell us a little bit, little bit about yourself. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. Yeah, well, thanks. So I know a little bit about you. Uh, I follow you on social media, and you post some dang good content on there. Thanks. Um, we have also, you've Ollie coached me a little bit in the past, and mm-hmm. that's definitely helped me out. But just seeing your journey has been really fun. And so I just wanted to bring you on today and learn more about you, get your thoughts on everything. All right, cool. Um, where do where you want me to start? I'm, a, I'm an open book. All right, man. Um, just start start from the beginning. What, you, what got you into all of this? Okay, um, I, so I feel like the thing I'm probably the most like well-known for or the people follow me the most for is kind of like the breath coaching stuff. And um, that really kind of stems from, I guess, just a fascination with like the autonomic nervous system and stress management um, in all forms. So whether that's, you know, like the stress that's breaking you down or, um, you know, like directed stress like you know like exercise is stress is stress you know it can be something that leads to adaptation or it can be something that that destroys us and so that's kind of like where where that came from um but i guess it might be might be helpful for me to really start at the beginning um so when i when i was in high school kind of you know I think uh, I think starting was like a junior. I was I was super sick all the time. I started dropping weight a lot, and um, I just felt kind of like almost like just like emotionally unstable and stuff. And um, and and nobody really knew what was going on. They went to the doctor, and they're like, "Okay, your gallbladder's bad. Let's take that out." It's like, "Okay, well, I guess it's gonna make me feel better. Go for it." And they took it out, and it didn't really help that much. <laughs> and so um, doctors were still um, really. Um, I guess perplexed of what was going on. Yeah. I ended up doing a, a scope, found out that I have a birth defect in my stomach. And with that, um, like they didn't really have anything that they could do for me. What is that birth defect? Um, so the pyloric sphincter this is basically like the door at the bottom of your stomach. Mine doesn't ever close. Okay. Um, so there's no like pit stop for like processing in the stomach, which just for like survival, right? That's not a big deal. It's, it's really not. Um, but the big thing is, is that if, if that doesn't happen, then, um, you know, like the, that food, like those nutrients, they, they don't get processed before they make it to the gut. And, um, what would happen is I would like eat whatever, right. And sometimes my entire digestive tract would spasm and it would just become paralyzed. And so what the doctors did is they just gave me some uh, muscle relaxers and some opioids and sent me on my way, (laughs) which wasn't uh, an acceptable route for me. Um, And so I just kind of started paying more attention to it. And uh, I found that sometimes I could eat whatever I wanted and I wouldn't have any problems. Sometimes um, I could eat, you know, just like a French fry and like I felt like I was going to puke my guts out 
for so like days. That might go super deep. I mean, gut microbiome and just yeah, it could for real. Yeah, with opioids and muscle relaxers mm-hmm. and yeah. the sphincter at the bottom, mm-hmm. all that. So it yeah. all kind of plays in. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of like a perfect storm for um, just like a horrible gut. Um, and so, like I, I noticed with that, it wasn't just like a food thing, right? Sometimes I, I was totally fine, and it it was um, it was that when I was really stressed. Um, and it didn't really matter what kind of stress, right? Like I, it could have been like an emotional thing or it could have been like I was physically working hard. Um, if I wasn't managing that stress efficiently, uh, that's what would set everything off, right? And so that is what kind of like started my journey, um, you know, from when I was 16 or however old I was uh, to, to now of really trying to understand different ways that we're able to cope with stress and instead of just being ruled by it and getting wrecked every time some little thing comes up in life uh rather to kind of try and turn it around just like we do with like weight training and turn it into like positive adaptation so that's kind of what got me going on everything all right so you had mentioned just stress is stress whether Mm -hmm. that's training uh, whether that's your job, new baby, yeah. so just stress is stress. Yeah, whatever it is. Okay. And you talked autom- autonomic nervous system mm-hmm. in the very beginning. Yeah. Just for people who don't know, um, how is stress and the autonomic nervous system connected? Um, so I think like the thing that most people are, are the most familiar with is kind of like the fight or flight yep. sort of response of like, okay, something happens, am I either going to you know, make a stand or am I going to avoid it? Right? Uh, that's that is the most basic explanation of the autonomic nervous system. It's not super accurate, but like that's a, a really kind of like easy, easy picture to paint. Um, and you know, for me, I couldn't handle those those responses. Um, you know, whether it was actually from the birth defect or just like a culmination of my own experiences, I wasn't handling them very well. And so, the breath work stuff um, that actually started when I was like. Um, probably like 16 I did a little bit of stuff with my brother yeah. and I was fascinated with it um, and I kind of went on and off with it for, for a few years but I, I really found that that was kind of like the real first direct avenue I had to making a, a big dent in my own stress management and then also helping you know, like athletes and, and stuff too as well okay which is that's awesome so you were able to just take your own personal experience start to move it over into other people at what point did you start considering yourself like a breath coach um i i don't know probably whenever i put it on an instagram post with yeah the, it was a hashtag yeah. <laughs> hashtag breath coach boom yeah legit <laughs> i don't i don't know i i i don't feel like there's ever just like a, a a precise moment of like oh yeah i'm a breath coach yeah. but rather um just i uh, over time, I just accumulated different experiences of, you know, my own experience and then trying it with, with athletes and be like, okay, well, that definitely didn't work. Or, you know, like doing a couple things and then, you know, somebody goes in PRs five minutes later, you're like, okay, well, that that moved the needle a little bit for them. Yeah. And just kind of compounding that together. And I just kind of, <clears throat> sorry, became, oh, yeah. became something that um, I was a little bit more known for, for and passionate about. Okay. So I'm personally fascinated with just human performance in general. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not a good sleeper. So sleep for me is yeah. it's very important. And it's also something that I preach all the time to people because I know how important it is. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I just don't think about breath. Yeah. And so from a wellness standpoint, now when I say wellness, I'm talking just uh, someone who maybe doesn't go to the gym very much, but they, they hold a stressful job. Mm-hmm. Um, what can they do or how can breath help them? I mean, I guess, are we saying breath and stress? That's really what it comes down to is breathing better will help you be less stressed or does it go even deeper than that? Um, yes to both. Cool. Um, so we can move the needle quite a bit with just breath work, but it's not the end all be all. Uh, I think that that's something that's really important for people to understand because uh, especially with social media the way that it is, is that people find a niche that they like um, and they start creating content and try to put it out there that they can solve all of your problems. And what I want to be very explicit about is that uh, anything that I do with people uh, is that I, I have zero interest in solving somebody's problems for them. I am much more interested in giving them the tools to to do that to save themselves essentially right it's it's the whole concept of um, you know minimal support to reach a goal because people aren't going to get anything out of me doing the work for them and so the breath work is a big component of that just because of how prevalent breathing is in our lives yeah (laughs) I mean we do it we do it all the time 20,000 plus times every day and um, that that gives us a, a good chance to, to make a difference in, in people's lives and the way that they're responding to stress. Uh, just first of all, because of how much we do it, but then also um, because of how closely linked um, the breath is with the autonomic nervous system. And that's really the master of our experience, right? Whatever our nervous system is interpreting that's happening, that's what we're experiencing, whether or not it's reality. That's pretty deep. I like that. (laughs) All right. So as far as, so that's kind of a wellness, from a wellness standpoint. Mm -hmm. What about the athletes that you coach? Okay. Um, I mean, I I know you have people, I I believe all around the nation that you coach, Mm -hmm. a couple here in Rexburg. Yeah. um, And every once in a while, they'll talk about the breath work. Mm -hmm. How is that helping athletes? Okay, yeah, I, I just realized I sort of dodged your first question on accident there. Oh, you're good. No worries. <laughs> but I, I think this we can wrap both of these together. Um, so whether or not it's for just wellness or for an athlete, I think this kind of comes back to a little bit of CrossFit methodology that the need uh, is based on, you know, like level rather than type. So, you know, whether it's grandma or Olympic sprinter, they both need the strength to, you know, do X, Y, or Z. The sprinter just needs more of it, right? So same thing with with the breath work. It shouldn't be something that people are, are like afraid of. That it's like some weird thing that if they screw it up, it's going to mess with their performance because it's not. Um, but it comes. It boils down to two things most of the time, uh, as far as as far as coaching. Um, I get, there's a third, but I think that these two are the most important. That's mechanics and CO two tolerance. Um, breathing mechanics or something that, that people really neglect, especially as much as we're sitting. Uh, you know, as I'm sitting here with crappy posture, leaning into this microphone. I'm doing the same. <laughs> um, you know, we, we sit all the time and um, we're not using the primary muscles of respiration uh, very well. So a quote that I really like, and I believe it was Chris Gilbert that said it, was that um, our diaphragm is the muscular equivalent to the umbilical cord linking our bodies to the environment. Um, 
and that's very true it pulls it pulls the air in and um, when we're breathing right it keeps us in the right neurological state for the activity so if I'm just sitting here breathing quietly my breath is gonna be low it's gonna be wide so it's gonna be diaphragm and the lower ribs are gonna be expanding out laterally Okay, that's I mean that's as simple as we can put it and if I wasn't talking I'd be breathing exclusively through my nose because I don't need to be breathing through my mouth I'm not working hard right as we as we progress through different levels of arousal that, those mechanics will change a little bit we still want to stay low and wide but as the work rate increases the breath will also come up into the chest and a little bit into the shoulders but if we have a mismatch of those mechanics and I'm breathing up here high in my chest, my shoulders are moving, uh, then what that's cueing to my nervous system is that I'm in a stressful situation. So that stressful situation might be Fran, which sucks, yeah. but it also might be because your boss is yelling at you. Yeah. And if your boss is yelling at you and you're having the same reaction that you would have physiologically to a grizzly bear chasing you, you're probably not going to be making the best decisions overall. Okay. So as an athlete, I want to stay in the right neurological state to perform at a, at a precise level, you know, least possible work to get, um, or effort to get the most work done so that I can have more and I can compete, I can win. If I'm, you know, working and I'm out of sync, essentially, right, I'm not, not matching my breathing to the demands, uh, I'm not going to perform as well, especially on a mental and an emotional state, like I said, if you're reacting the same way you would running from a bear and it's just a disagreement from your boss or your spouse or your kid spills something in the living room whatever it is that experience is not going to be optimal yeah so i heard a quote once it was um when emotion goes up intelligence goes down um i mean i I, in my mind it kind of all plays together so you know adrenaline goes up we're also going to be having that fight or flight response (coughs) so breathing faster, maybe not thinking as well, so your mm-hmm. boss does yell at you, maybe some words come out of your mouth that shouldn't. So so this goes, I mean, this goes pretty deep. This goes into yeah. whether you're an athlete trying to PR a, a snatch or a cleaning jerk or whether you're just trying to live life happy and yeah. be healthy, mm-hmm. which tell us how this links into health in general. Um, so a lot of it, I mean, it, it really comes down to um, managing managing arousal states but i mean like just if you just keep it simple and generic just it comes down to managing stress yeah really because it doesn't matter who we are um generally speaking people want to accomplish things right i mean like people don't enjoy being stagnant they want to do something with their life and they want that to be meaningful but if we're not able to sustain the level of arousal or the amount of stress that we want in our lives because ambitions add stress to life. I mean, it doesn't matter what anybody says. If you want to accomplish something great, you're going to be inviting more stress into your life, whether you yeah, want absolutely. to or not. Yeah. And if you're not able to manage that, then you will crumple under the weight of it. And that's, that's what it boils down to because if you're not able to match your physiology to your environment then it all falls apart and the thing that i think is really important is because like people are like okay physiology whatever body 
but I sit behind a computer all day. You know, I, I'm a copywriter. I don't even talk to people. I just type stuff. And, you know, I, I put out these messages or, you know, I, I work in a factory, whatever it is. It's really easy to trick your mind. It's, it's very, very easy to convince yourself about something. Um, it's not very easy to trick your body. And so the mindset's important, the body's important, and they work as accountability partners to keep people on track to, you know, progressing towards their goals. You know, if, if people don't have any goals and they're like, yeah, well, I'm fine being stagnant or whatever, then yeah. none of the stuff that, that I ever talk about or that I do is going to be worth anything to them. Yeah, because there's, there's no stress there. There's no, there's no stress. There's no stretching. Yeah. Right? You're not reaching for anything. So if you're not reaching for anything, yeah, it's not going to help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm hoping that everyone who's listening to this podcast is reaching for something. Yeah. Because, um, life would be pretty dang boring yeah. if we're just uh, if we're stagnant. Um, this made me think. Uh, <clears throat> so speaking of stress, I, mm. I lead. I have many hats. Yeah. Um, so paramedic, firefighter, um, flight paramedic certification. Uh, obviously, I guess I run a podcast now. Mm-hmm. Um, run a CrossFit gym. Um, we have a couple climbing gyms, building new building, like lots of things going on. And this is probably about a year ago. Um, I just had this weird time in my life where I was like, I, I had. It, maybe this sounds weird, but like a feeling of just impending doom. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just I felt like something really bad was going to happen. And I don't know why, I don't know if it was something I was eating or, or I have no idea, but like it would mess with me. Like my breathing would change and, and just everything would change. And I was like, wait a second, I'm like one of those people that I go on calls to that are having panic attacks. <laughs> like, um, yeah. so anyways, as you're talking, it just, it just made me think of that. And one thing that I would have to do is just purposely tell myself like, calm down mm-hmm. it's all good and then by changing my breathing i was able to change my body i, I mean i want to say physiologically but at least like mentally by saying hey i'm going to change my breathing i'm going to breathe out of my nose i'm going to slow down mm-hmm. um you know i don't know if that's trickled over and now i just don't feel that or if mm-hmm. it was like a mental break enough that it was just like you know what whatever happens happens i, yeah. I don't know but yeah i mean well it, that reminds me of something that is uh I don't know, it's it's just a kind of like a cardinal principle of, of breath work and that it's it's that the the road goes two ways with with breath work, right? So I can be experiencing this stress, some crazy thing, whatever it is, my breathing changes and and like I'm adapting to it. Like let's let's go back to the uh, running from from the bear, right? I see the bear before the bear even takes a step towards me i mean like pupils are changing things are firing neurons right my breathing is going to change my heart rate's going to increase i'm turning around i'm starting to go like whatever it is right yeah but it goes the the other way too right so maybe the best idea isn't to run from the bear and it's to look around and see that there's just a cub that's close to me and instead of running I'm going to slowly go the other direction away from the cup. And so I'm going to change my breathing and it's going to affect my body the opposite way, right? It's going to be fighting against that urge to get out of there as fast as I can, right? So whether you're making the right decision or not, okay, whatever. I mean, I don't know a ton about bears. (laughs) But um, the point is, is that kind of like to your point that we can affect that both directions. 
So if I need to bring myself down, I can use my breath to do that. If I need to bring myself up, I can use my breath to do that, right? Our body's already doing it automatically, but we can take control of that and basically manipulate it for, for our gain. Okay. So as far as you coaching athletes, mm-hmm. um, what is your main, like, do you coach mostly Olympic weightlifting, general physical preparedness? Like, what, what do you? Um, there's a lot of CrossFit. There's some Olympic weightlifting. Um, there's some people that just, like, want to be fit. So I would say it's about two-thirds CrossFit athletes um, or at least kind of like cross-training sort yeah. of stuff, right, just kind of like higher intensity. Um, and then the other third is kind of split between like Olympic weightlifting and just people that want to be fit. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a little bit of a little bit of a mix. Okay. So do you feel like the breath coaching portion of this changes per activity that they're doing? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Uh, so with the CrossFit stuff, it's a lot higher intensity, right? Uh, and so a lot of that is going to be based on CO2 tolerance, right? Which I can talk about Yeah, so let's get deeper into that. I actually wrote that down. I wanted you to go a little deeper into CO2 tolerance. Yeah, so so CO2 tolerance is something that's really important when we're talking about breathing just because CO2 is the primary driver for respiration. It's not oxygen, right? So um, we we have that uh, kind of like chemical signal for us to be breathing. And so if we take this um, back to, we'll go back to the bear again just because it's easy. If... No, I don't want to talk about the bear. I changed my mind. I don't want to talk about the bear. Um, but let's just say that I have a certain amount of CO2 in my blood, and it's cueing me that I need to breathe harder, faster, deeper, right? But I'm not working very hard, yeah. right? And so what happens is that if I have a low CO2 tolerance, my response to that activity is going to be uh, misaligned, okay? So I'm, go- I'm going to essentially be placing a metabolic bet too soon. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's a good example. So like say like you're you're doing a CrossFit workout, you're starting to go, and a lot of people have that thing where like they get about five minutes in and they're just dying for like the first five minutes. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, I feel a little bit better. I can keep going. Uh Right? It's just because like they they place that bet too early. Yeah. Right? Um, But if, if I'm breathing too much when I don't need to, uh, it's just like drinking too much water. It yeah. can be bad for you, yeah. right? If I'm breathing too much when I don't need to, then that's going to negatively impact my performance, right? So if I can increase my CO2 tolerance, that means I'm going to stay out of that sympathetic state for longer. I have more control of, of the things that are going on in my body. I have more control over the things that are going on in my head. And I'm going to basically stay at, you know, stay anaerobic yeah. for longer, Right. Once. Say anaerobic? Or sorry, aerobic. Okay. I yeah. said that wrong. No, yeah. no, you're fine. I yeah. just wanted to make yeah. sure. Yeah, no, you're good. Thanks for catching me on that. For I'm going to say aerobic for longer. Okay. Which means I'm going to be able to work longer. I'm going to go, I'm going to go for more. All the, right. The interesting thing is, though, is that increasing CO2 tolerance does not change VO2 max, which is important to note because lots of people are like, oh, it doesn't change that and it doesn't do anything. It's like, okay, that's true. But what does change, and this is a, there's a super cool study that, um, was published in I think it was in New Zealand on some elite rugby players and what they did is they had them do some hypoventilation sprints so they were doing apnea work mm-hmm. increasing co2 
levels in their blood, which I've seen you post a lot about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were they were doing that, and what they did is they had they had two sessions a week, and they started out with two sets of uh, eight, and so it was forties, and they just had to exhale, run the forty, and then for the remainder of uh, thirty seconds they could breathe, you know, like however, and then the next thirty seconds run. Right, every workout for four weeks they added um, another sprint. And so they ended up with three sets of eight at the end of the four weeks. And they had a control group that was doing the same thing, same sprints, but they were just breathing normal. And the control group increased their ability to to stay over 80% output or 80% power output by two sprints at the end of the four weeks. And if I remember right, the uh, the apnea group increased it by either seven or nine sprints. I can't Holy remember. cow! That's fascinating. So, and those guys are at the top of the food chain. Right? Yeah, yeah, they're already like super fit. Yeah, they're they're already so far along like the adaptation spectrum that most of us can't even fathom like yeah. what what they're capable of, and they're increasing by that much. Like that's the difference between your dog at home and the wolf that just took down an elk yeah. in Yellowstone, yeah. right? That That's an amazing adaptation oh, yeah. of being able to maintain, you know, stay over 80% of your power output for that much longer. Yeah, that's, that's a game changer. Totally. Yeah, that's nuts. Like, I can't even, I can't even fathom that because most people just need to eat more vegetables. <laughs> so so yeah. then you start talking about, you know, what if we were able to eat more vegetables and increase protein and chew our food and breath work and apnea work and yeah. start reaching some human potential. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy, and and the funny thing is that's not really adding that much workload, right? No, and I I think maybe that's what kind of turned me on to, uh, maybe turning you me on is the wrong word, but just like <laughs> I, I really enjoy watching your stuff because yeah. it's simple. It's I mean it's it's rowing by only breathing out of your nose, or mm-hmm. it's it's uh, box step ups and focusing on your diaphragm or yeah. you know whatever. So yeah. um, there are little tiny things that we can do. But if we make a huge jump in something, like if I'm eating normal right now and I say I'm going to go vegan, mm-hmm. that is completely unsustainable for yeah. me. But if I say, well, I don't want to go vegan, but I do want to increase the vegetables in my life, I'm going to eat a cup of spinach every day and I'm going to chew it adequately. That's sustainable for me. Yeah. So to say, hey, in a workout, if I focus on my breath, I can become more fit, more well, more healthy, mm-hmm. that's also sustainable. Yeah, honestly, like what I usually start people out with uh, especially if they're having a really hard time with like their breathing stuff, I'll just say, do your normal workout. Don't worry about anything. Just breathe through your nose while you're warming up. That's it. While you're warming up. Yeah. Cool. Like that's a good place to start. I mean, breathing through your, your nose sounds like the most simple, ridiculous thing, but I mean like the lining of your, of your sinuses produces more nitric oxide than any other tissue in your body. Like, what's in pre-workout to increase blood flow nitric oxide okay and with our breathing we can increase our level of arousal okay the other thing stuff that's in pre-workout are stimulants like we have these things that are built in yeah if we just if we're just willing to take like literally like three minutes before a workout it's just as good yeah right well and then we're not adding that extra stress to the body of chemicals and yeah, and then, you know you're not going home, and you're like super wired, and yeah. like you're all like accidentally just like yelling at your kids. You're like, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah, 
let me step back. And you probably Can't don't do have this. a you probably don't have a, a breath crash. You're like, yeah, man, I breathed a little bit too good in the beginning, so I just crashed. I'm so tired now. Yeah. So that, that's fascinating stuff. I like that. So as far as your approach to coaching, like you just take in a new person, mm-hmm. how are you assessing their CO2 tolerance? Um, so there are a couple different ways. There's something that is also. Um, it's called the just a CO2 tolerance test, <laughs> okay. which is essentially just timing um, like a max exhale, right? So you just take a few normal breaths and then you exhale as slow as you can um, and you time it, right? So that's that's a good test. There's uh, something's called the Bolt score, which you just exhale and then you hold it. Okay. And you wait for the first physiological response uh, to like air thirst. So that's going to be like an urge to swallow, like a diaphragm contraction, you know, stuff like that. Okay, yeah. Um, so those those are the two main ones. Um, I'll also do a little bit of stuff with kind of like depending on the person. So like if it's somebody that like a CrossFit athlete or um, like football or wrestling, maybe rugby, something like that, then we would do... Um, a little bit of kind of like sprint apnea stuff on on like a rower or a skier, just something that would be similar to whatever their thing is that they're doing, okay. or whatever their activity is, just so that we can kind of see where they're at um, and then kind of go from there. Okay. So what does someone's progression look like over, let's say over a year? Are you just giving them more apnea work? It depends on their goals, okay. right? So, um, like for instance, I have I have one client that has kind of like exercise induced asthma, like sort of, um, kind of like exercise and like emotionally, yeah, like induced. And so her stuff has been very focused on mechanics, and we hit some apnea stuff really hard, and now it's kind of moving back to like efficiency of movement. So cool. Um, you know, we really just kind of like focus on some really low level stuff of making sure that you're able to handle the mechanics when you're actually loaded. Cause it's really easy to breathe well when you're like laying on the ground, your knees are bent. Like yeah. it's, that's super easy. There's, there's not much there, but you might, you might cr- progress then to maintaining those mechanics into a bridge, like okay. a glute bridge and then like a single leg and then like focusing on it with, um, you know, with squats and then doing stuff like hanging from the bar and, you know, once that's pretty well squared away, then that kind of like moves on to like a maintenance thing. And then maybe we'll focus on the CO2 tolerance. It just kind of, it depends on where they're at. It's one of those things that you actually have to be a coach though. It's not a, it's not a templated thing. Like you can, you can make a template and it will help everybody a little bit, but if they want to make a big difference, then it's going to be, you know, we'll assess, you know, work through it. Okay. We're going to reassess going so um it but typically it, cha- it kind of alternates between mechanics and co2 tolerance um and then you just get a little bit more specialized into whatever their activity is that makes sense uh yeah i love the idea of the individualized um it, there there are too many templated systems out there and like you said it can help a little bit but man if we can get individual yeah. if we can actually assess and reassess and test yeah i think we can bring people a lot further and reduce injury and yeah really really help people yeah i mean and really i think that that's where templates actually play play a positive role of you know maybe they're not willing to commit 
to what it costs to have like an individualized program. Maybe they're not willing to commit to having the accountability of having a coach, but if they can get a little taste of what their life can be like, which is really why I do a lot of the stuff that I do with my with my social media stuff. I mean, yeah, obviously I want to make money on it, yeah. right? Like, I, I yeah, we gotta I, make a living. I gotta gotta make a living. Yeah. I got a wife and three kids. Yeah, right. Um, but you know, you give people a taste of what their life can actually be like, and what their performance can be like, and the control that they can have over themselves. And then after that, it's like, all right, well, I would rather just not live without this. So let, yeah. let's do it. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. So two more things. One, um, we talked about kind of sitting over and bad posture on the microphone. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm totally feeling like my upper back right now like because <laughs> I've been sitting. So how should we sit? So someone who's listening to this podcast right now, how should they be sitting? Um, I think that that's kind of like one of those things that like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give people a checklist of like you can do yeah. this and this and this and this because that would be giving a template like we just yeah. talked about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, really, the idea is that we don't want to be crunching down on our diaphragm, right? If we if we crunch down on our diaphragm and our shoulders are forward, that's going and then you know, what puts us into cervical or upper neck extension, right? And if I'm in if I'm this in this position, that puts me into that sympathetic, that fight or flight yeah. breathing pattern because I can't breathe with my diaphragm. So I have to breathe up here in my chest. And if I have my head extended like this, it's more likely that my mouth is going to be open. And so I'm going to be breathing through my mouth too, which is another one of those kind of like fight or flight situation attributes, right? So yeah. we just want to do the opposite of that. So, so we just right want to now sit you up. look like Quasimodo. Yeah. So like your back is, so anyone who's just listening, yeah. uh, Lance looks like Quasimodo. That's exactly what you're looking like. Yeah. Okay. And, and we don't want that. So we're just going to pull our chin back and we're going to open up our chest and we're just going to sit up, you know, straight like your mom always told you to do. Right. Um, but the big thing is, is that as much as we sit, we need to treat it like a sport. We need to treat it like an event and we need to train for it. <laughs> so that means you have to kind of like periodize your sitting yeah. sort of. Um, so if you're somebody that sits at, um, a desk all day or whatever, put an alarm on your phone that you're going to stand up every 10 minutes and you're just gonna stretch and like by stretch i mean like just anything just stand up straight and do it for like 10 seconds sit back down keep going yeah right it's it's that whole thing of like it's the sustaining the posture that's the problem it's like i'm not gonna get in trouble uh with my nervous system if i'm slouched over for you know a few minutes talking on a podcast but if i'm sitting like that all day and then you know your boss comes in and starts yelling at you probably not going to react to it very well. Yeah. Right. So then your breath gets messed up, then your posture gets worse. Yeah. And, and because of the, like that neurological uh, connection that our breathing has to, you know, the brain, you're, you're going to feel worse about the situation, like mentally and emotionally, you're, you will feel worse about it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes complete sense. Um, so last question, just if you could help people master one thing. Now, I think I already know what the, the answer is going to be. Um, but what would it be that they could master in their life that will just help with wellness and health in general? Hmm. If I can master one thing. Um, I'm going to say awareness. Oh, 
you threw me a curveball. I thought you were going to say breathing. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. I'm going to say awareness just overall because really like if, if we think about like the ways that we make changes in our lives, you're not going to change something that you don't know is going on, right? Um, and just like when we want to change those things, generally we, we seek out ways to be held accountable, right? I mean, like honestly, I think that's why CrossFit works so well. It's just the community aspect of it. People keep coming back because they're afraid not to come back. Yeah. <laughs> and the, like the social aspect yeah. of that, right? And we, we don't go anywhere without awareness first. And so if I could have people master anything, it would be that they need to be aware of of the little things that they're doing, you know, whether that's the way they're breathing, that's mindset, that's nutrition, that's, you know, the way that they're exercising, whatever it is, they have to be aware of it first. And if we can help people, you know, like as coaches, as providers or practitioners, whatever it is, if you can help people truly be aware of what it is, then they can solve their own problems and they don't have to be dependent on a coach for every little thing or a doctor for every little thing because that's not serving a client that's not serving you know a human that's a business model yeah and you know making money is fine you should get paid for the, the the good things that you do but you should do it better than everybody else if you're going to do it yeah. and i feel like awareness is the way the way to do that in the wellness world i like that that sounds good um, so how can people learn more about you? Um, my most active on Instagram, and it's just my name. So it's Lance.Enerson underscore SPT because student physical therapist. I'm yeah. not quite graduated yet. Um, I have my Facebook too, and I have a website. It's just my name, LanceEnerson.com. Okay. I'll throw all that in the show notes okay. so that people can people can find you. Um, but man, I really appreciate you coming on today and it's just been good to get to know you a little bit more and learn all this and let's, uh, let's make it happen again. All right. Sounds good. Let me know. All right. Thanks. Yep. Thank you.